0: Hello and welcome back to Pediapod for January 2023. This month, sex-specific effects of prenatal opioid exposure. Neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome is a condition seen in infants born to mothers who have used opioids during their pregnancy. It represents a major public health problem in the US and has a high socioeconomic burden. The pathophysiology of neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome is not yet fully understood. Data from animal models have shown that opioids modulate brain reward signaling via an inflammatory cascade. However, no such data exists for opioid-exposed neonates. In this episode of Pediapod, we meet this month's spotlighted early career investigator, Elizabeth Yen. Elizabeth is an assistant professor of paediatrics at Tufts University School of Medicine, and she recently published a pilot study which looked at the effects of prenatal opioid exposure on gene expression and white matter injury. She started off by telling me about where her career got started.
1: So I grew up in Indonesia, and I had always wanted to become a physician, but because of the cultural restrictions back then, it was very difficult for me to pursue this path. So I did get an opportunity to come to the United States. I then studied psychology and I got to a master's degree working on school psychology and I wanted to work with children helping this population. I ended up getting my first job at New York Foundling where I work in a foster boarding home. And that's where I saw the impact of the opioid epidemic. And I got really interested in the medical part of it because of this withdrawal signs in this population. I then pursued my post-bacc study at Columbia and then proceeded to my medical school at Rutgers University, New Jersey. And then once I graduated, I became really interested in research. So in combination with Dr. John Davis, who is an expert in the neonatal abstinence syndrome and my mentor, Dr. Jill Marin, who is the expert in salivary diagnostic. We then pursued this path where we wanted to really understand how the opioid that mom used during pregnancy affects the feeding behavior in children or in babies by using drops of saliva.
0: Is that linked with reward seeking behaviors that we often hear about with regards to opioids effect on the brain?
1: Yes, absolutely. So again, Jeff, looking at this babies, it's very interesting to see how early on we cannot really see which babies will have more severe withdrawal. We know they will have certain withdrawal signs, including affected feeding behavior, but some of them later on will have actually this hyperphagia. Down the road, where they actually really eat so much more, twice or even two and a half times the caloric intake of the normal newborns. So, looking into this withdrawal sign and this, in particular, the feeding behavior, we wanted to see which among all these newborns that will eventually have this more severe withdrawal. This early saliva collection is the most important information
0: because within the salivary sample, you can have a sort of non-invasive way of looking at gene expression.
1: Correct. And one of the gene expression, going back to your question about that reward, I really wanted to look into this um, impact of uh, prenatal opiates on the hypothalamic feeding regulation, as well as one of the key markers for the reward signaling, which is the dopamine receptor.
0: And we'll get to your study in just a second, but perhaps first we should mention some of the physical structural changes that we see in the brain of opioid-exposed neonates.
1: Yes, absolutely. The salivary biomarkers is a way to understand this proxy or like a a representative of why this baby have dysregulated feeding. But then I also wanted to look non-invasively into their brain. So then I created another study, by which I concurrently look into their brain using non-invasive method called magnetic resonance imaging or MRI. And the idea initially was to look into the functional magnetic resonance imaging or the FMRI. Before we get even to the functional, which is still being analyzed, interestingly, my radiologist called me and he said, this baby's brain had white matter hyperintensity. And when I heard that, I was like, hmm, interesting. So I looked back at the clinical information and I did see this baby was indeed exposed. So then when he called for the second one, and I thought this has to be more than coincidence. So I got really interested in this structural, more like a larger picture, even though my initial goal was to look into the functional.
0: What was your hypothesis going into this then in terms of the effects of prenatal opioid exposure?
1: So my hypothesis really was geared toward the impact, specifically sex-specific impact. We haven't talked about the sex component, but the impact of prenatal opioids on the brain area that regulates feeding. I do believe that there is a direct impact of the prenatal opioids on the brain center that regulates feeding. There is now a very interesting evolution of this research by which I not only see the interaction of the opioid and the reward, but also now inflammation on top of this. So it looks like prenatal opioids are pro-inflammatory and that affects the feeding area of the brain that then costs all this like an upregulated reward. In addition to that, the males and females, they are quite different. And often as a clinician, we treat them all the same. But this is the first time using the salivary biomarkers and brain MRI that I actually saw the difference between males and females. It looks like the opioid exposed males, they have upregulated reward signaling. And this is interesting because clinically, we do see that males are the ones who known to have a worse withdrawal and that the reward signaling in my previous paper did correlate with the amount of their feeding.
0: And so that's the males showing these higher levels of reward-seeking gene expression, but females presented differently as well in terms of their inflammatory response, right?
1: Correct. So interestingly in these studies, even though as a clinician, we often say females do better, because they're quiet, they go home, they don't have any withdrawal, they're not treated, right? Interestingly, in this study, again, using this early saliva in the first 48 hours of life, there are already evidence that opioid-exposed females have higher inflammation markers in their saliva. So in other words, all these female babies who may not even get treatment, they ended up having much higher inflammation Compared to the male.
0: And I guess that sort of makes sense because the males having higher expression of these genes, presumably controlling their feeding behavior, that that has this very clear phenotype, doesn't it? Whereas inflammation on the brain, you don't necessarily find that unless you go looking for it.
1: Correct. So again, the males with the higher reward dopamine expression, much more ravenous in their feeding behavior. They're the one who we often think, oh, they're going to need to be followed up. But now on the opposite, through this pilot study research, the females actually have higher inflammation and this impact of long-term pro-inflammatory effects of prenatal opioids, what does that mean in the long run?
0: What happened when you looked at the MRI scores?
1: So the brain MRI of the opioid exposed population, the exposed one had a higher um, incidence of that white matter hyperintensity.
0: That white matter injury.
1: That white matter injuries. We don't know if this is completely related to opioids. A lot of these babies are born smaller compared to the non-opioid exposed. So whether or not this is a direct opioid that causes them to have a smaller size because again of that inflammation, and this affects also on their brain development and create these MRI changes.
0: And of those children that did present white matter injury, were there sex-specific differences there?
1: Yes, so more females have white matter hyperintensity compared to males. So out of this 11, six of them had white matter and four of them were females.
0: Thinking about the opioid-exposed females in your study that had higher levels of inflammation and higher levels of white matter injury, does that tell you a story about the role of inflammation in the effect of Opioids on the developing brain?
1: Yes. So, animal studies actually have looked into this, and there's a lot more literature available for the animal studies whereby the idea of the opioid binding onto the TLR4 or the toll like receptor type 4 on microglia.
0: They're sort of like the resident immune cells in our brains, aren't they? Correct.
1: So interestingly, in animal studies, they were able to delineate how the opioids bind to this TLR4, then through the NF-kappa-beta pathway, then send all these pro-inflammatory cytokines and chemokines. And I think this is a really novel area, not yet done in the neonates, because we tend to, again, clinically monitoring them. If they're doing well, we discharge them. But on the molecular level, this opiate binding to the TLR4 on the microglia, how they send all these cytokines and chemokines, I believe that will have a long-term impact on their neurodevelopmental outcomes.
0: I mean, one of the obvious lessons from your results, even if it is a pilot study, is that, as you say, young female neonates shouldn't be ignored. I wonder, do you think it presents a therapeutic target, perhaps, to alleviate some of those negative effects of prenatal opioid exposure?
1: Absolutely. My research is evolving. I'm looking toward what is the next step. With this research showing that opioids can be pro-inflammatory, I think that brought me to the next thing. What can we do in the future in terms of the treatment strategies? Whether or not we can use anti-inflammatory agents in addition to this opioid or psychotropic medication that we use in these babies.
0: And what about young male neonates with their increased reward-seeking behaviors, is that mediated by inflammation as well? Doesn't doesn't sound like your results suggest that.
1: Not yet at this point, because again, we see more inflammation in the female group, but that begs the question of whether this reward signaling and reward-seeking behavior with their hyperphagia, then also down the road, create another inflammation pathway, let's say through obesity or metabolic syndrome, because of their Very highly prime feeding dysregulation.
0: It would be interesting to follow up the children in this study.
1: Yes. So that my studies actually are starting looking into serial saliva samples. When they are just born, we had collected them and I had started collecting on the post discharge saliva collections because I wanted to see whether or not this inflammatory and reward gene changes after they go home, after treatment, as well as trying to get the babies who had the brain MRI when they were just born to see the progression of this brain MRI at two months, for instance, whether or not that white matter changes still persist.
0: That was Elizabeth Yen from Tufts University School of Medicine. And that's it for another episode of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thank you for listening and see you next time.